And thank you, instrumentalist. Wonderful job, as usual. Well, the only thing I've had to pray hard about this week is that God will hold me back. I am so full. Never mind, Boyd Lee. I'm, I'm so full this morning, I'm about to bust. I am sick of a lot of stuff today, and I hate what God hates. And when I see the United States of America poking its finger in the eye of God, we've got things to be concerned about, my friends. We're in trouble in this nation. We're seeing uh, unity, which was prescribed by somebody's uh, pathway to where he is, as uh, uniting of evil forces, not anything else but. I'm sorry, I'm I'm a little bit further along than you with preaching some of this stuff because I've never, ever seen it that it's possible to bring politics into the pulpit. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I've always talked about what's going on in this nation and we've got corrupt, lying individuals who are trying to lead us down a primrose path. We've got a border that's absolutely filled with people trying to get here. Why? Because there's freedom. Used to be. There is money that they can try to make. And folks, they letting them in by the droves. If you fly overseas and come back, you've got to go through customs. You've got to wear your mask. You can't get in without a COVID test. And down the border, just come on in. Have at it. We, you know, we know there's a couple of hundred people who tested positive for COVID. They let them in anyway. Where are we going? What is this? Are we absolutely lost our minds totally? Is our spiritual compass totally broken? I'm going to preach about unity this morning. About the way it ought to be. Not the way it is. But let me say this to you also. That I believe firmly in my heart that at any moment you could hear a shout of the archangel and a trumpet blow because we're as close as we've ever been to the rapture of the church as I've ever seen it in 71 years that I've been alive. I know I don't look 71, but that's a, that's a give that to my genes of my father. <laughs> I'm kidding. Listen, I want to tell you a thing I'm happy about and praise God for this morning. I got to sit here for the first time in over two months where I could sit without wreathing and writhing. I have a pinched nerve in my neck. It has absolutely driven me insane virtually, so you're getting the insanity portion of it today, I guess, but it has hurt awful. And uh, you know, at 71, when you're working under your pickup truck with your head back like this, you ought to have something to rest it on. That's what happened, a little disc come a-bulging out of there. I preached this very sermon on January 3rd of this year at Calvary Baptist Church in Fulton. And at that point, I promised God, as he was leading me to make the promise, that wherever I'm asked to preach, this sermon is going to be preached. And so I may never get to preach again, but this one sermon will be heard. How do we get really united? It isn't with a pen and a telephone. The first step in in being united is salvation. Salvation bought and paid for by a man we know to be Jesus Christ, who is the only Son of God, who is the only God of the heavens and universe. 
We love and worship him, his son. We are filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. You only get him once. You get all you're ever going to get of him the very instant that you're saved. There's no second blessings. You're blessed mightily that very instant of salvation as it occurs. First step to unity is salvation. How can we ever be united apart from Jesus Christ and the love that he has for us in his Father? How can we ever find unification any other way? We must show the world that we are united as Christians who love Christ. We had not to be fussing with each other. We had not to be fussing with our brothers and sisters outside of here. And we have to watch what we say. Second step is to decide what Christ means to me. Is Christ your all in all? You know what that means? You have him in the forefront of your mind almost every waking moment of the day and even if possible in your dreams. Christ is your all in all. All, he, he paid it all, all to him we owe. Somebody ought to write a song like that, Brother Mark. Is he your all in all? Is he your savior and Lord? Did you stop short at savior? Did you ask Christ to save you? From what? From a devil's hell, first of all. But we are also saved to do good works. We aren't saved by works, but we are to work in our salvation for the Lord. Now, okay, salvation is part A. Part B is Lord. Who's sitting on the throne of your life? Is it Jesus Christ or you? You can get saved, and sure enough, you, you, you know, you, you've got that part taken care of. But you, if you still act like the world, well, you question your salvation. I'm not going to. But I'll tell you what I am. I'm a fruit inspector. That's what I am. Because if you're saved and you, can, you say that you're saved, then there ought to be fruit of that salvation. You don't believe me, read the book. By the way, I'll eventually get to Acts 1, 9 through 14, if you want to put your finger in there. Is he your all in all? Is he Savior and Lord of your life? And is he precious to you? Is Jesus precious to you as your little child is precious to you? Do you come to Jesus that way? Is Jesus precious to you? Do you treasure him? For the Bible tells us where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And so that's why we're commended to place our treasure in heaven, where the moth and canker can't uh, corrupt it. That's step one. Step two to true unity is that we have to love like Jesus. We have to love like Jesus. Well, what is that? Jesus said we to love one another as he loved the church and gave himself for us. The church is us. We have to love one another as he loved us. That's agape love, the one that we approach and try to replicate. That's the love that's high above all other types of love. It's God's own form of love. 
and one he expects us to replicate toward each other. What's your love button say today? Where are you? Look around you. Think in your mind or raise your hand. Are you in love with everybody that you know? And I'm talking not about Eros or any other. I'm talking about that agape love. And we're really to love even those who are unlovely. They may not be Christian. And we're to pray for them. I don't hang with them. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. I've never seen it where a Christian hanging with a non-Christian wins. It usually happens the Christians drag down to that level. I have never understood why. We ought to be the ones that are putting out the gospel, living a life that gives us the ability to say that we have a testimony. Have you got one? Do you have a testimony you can share? You can do it in about two minutes. Don't believe me, I'll teach you how. It goes like this, who I was before, who I am now, and how, how did I get saved? Not necessarily in that order. We have to love like Jesus. Do you? We have to want what Jesus wants. What does he want? He wants love. He wants peace. He wants reconciliation. And he'd like that he, Jesus, I'm sure, would love to see compromise in places of government where you can't get along otherwise. Compromise and come to some kind of agreeable solution, even though you disagree in the process. That's the way it's supposed to be. We have to love like Jesus. We have to want the things that he wants. We have to be obedient to God's will. Oh, Brother Lou, what in the world is God's will? Well, I can't tell you what it is for you, but I know I've struggled and searched and many times had to pray about what his will is for me today. Well, Henry Blackaby put out a study not, not too many years back, or maybe it is already, called Experiencing God. And in that thing, there was a profound statement that was made that stuck with me all these years, and it said simply, if you don't know what to do next, do what God told you to do last and do it to the best of your ability. That's God's will at the moment. And then wait for him. When you get in your prayer closet, you know, all too often, we as Christians treat God. How many of you remember what a jack-in-the-box is? I used to have one. Some of you are going, what? Well, you had a little crank on the side. That's called a God-in-the-box. Pop! Oh, up goes God. We give him our never-ending laundry list of stuff and poke him back down and don't bother him again until we need something else. That's how we treat God so many times. He is almighty God of the whole earth and universes. And yet we treat him sometimes with disrespect. Not everybody, not all the time. I'm saying that occasionally it, it can happen. We, we slight him. How do we slight him? You're here today. Always preach to the choir. Always, you're here. Where are those who aren't? You know the empty spaces here for our visitors, right? Where are they? Disrespectful. Someone said to me this morning, it seems as though we've gotten to the place where sin doesn't matter at all. 
Well, you know, back in the 60s, it was it feels good, do it. And we had a whole lot of things going on back then that are triggers to what we're seeing today. How did we get in this state of affairs? Well, all it would take for this whole nation to become godless is for good men and women to do absolutely nothing. And I'm afraid when it came to the last election, they stayed home. The Christians buried themselves up and didn't bother going. They said, oh, it isn't going to help anyway. Yeah, it does. And you know, I'm really worried about the next election coming because of the shenanigans that were pulled in the last election. People are going to say, well, it's all rigged and I'm not going anyway. You better go. You better go. We'll have a chance to gain the house back. And we better. They're shoving through an agenda that is absolutely forbidden for us. Now I'm telling you, God knows that that nation's fingers poked in his eye. And he will not tolerate it long. So stand by for news. Because God is going to strike I don't know how, but I know in my spirit, a holy God cannot stand for what is going on today. You can't. How could he possibly? So I know that my God is an awesome God, and he gets his revenge. It's not in my timeline. It's on his, and I may not even live to see it. You have to be obedient to what God wants us to do. Can I hear an amen? Are you asleep? Is everybody asleep? Are you tired of me already? I'm not done yet. I'm just getting wound up. But Wow, it looks like I've got another hour. Oh, that's a second hand. I'm sorry. Third thing in step two. We have to be confessed up, prayed up, and shut up. Confession is important before you go to prayer time because you don't want to come before a holy God with filth on you. Any sin that you've committed is, is dirty rags to the Lord. and we, he, He's not going to hear. The Bible tells us that. And if we don't come clean before him, he will not hear. The Bible tells us. Okay, look. Confessed up and repented up. You know, I think personally the sin unto death is that sin which we confess and commit and confess and commit and confess and no repentance. And eventually God says, there's no change Come on. And that's zemicology, my humble opinion. All right, fourth thing. We have to lead. Those in leadership positions in church or anywhere need to lead and not lord. Well, I'm going to talk specifically about the church. What about the church? Well, let me say this. There are deacons. There are Sunday school teachers. There are any number of positions in the church But we are called in those positions to serve the people of the church. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Four or five of you agreed with that. We are. And yet so many times in the church, and I've been victimized by two churches this way, where the leaders want to lord. They they didn't even really want a preacher. They just wanted somebody to come in there and tickle their ears on Sunday and get out. So I did had permission you have to check with God on these things I have a habit of telling it like it is some people like it and others hate it 
And uh, thank God the people over there in New Albany for 15 years liked it and tolerated it because they knew that if Brother Lou was in the pulpit, what he was going to say was well thought and studied and spoken. Yeah, I get this stuff before you do. I'm the first one that gets this sermon. I always told them there's one finger going out and three coming back. I'm no better than any of you. I have sins that I have to confess and repent of. Sometimes it's things that I think or say. Look, don't raise your hand. How many of you experience road rage? Well, I do. You know, I heard a story one time about a trooper. Pulled a woman over, asked for a driver license, an insurance card, and she said, what did I do? He said, well, I thought this car was stolen. Is this your vehicle? She said, yeah. Why? He said, well, I see all kinds of Christian bumper stickers, things on the back of the fish and scriptures and, and God we trust and all that, and you're driving like a complete idiot. People, you're coming across, you're blowing the horn and yelling out the window, and I thought, surely, if this was a Christian-owned vehicle, it's been stolen. It's an embarrassing moment. Why I don't have any Christian stickers on my bumper. We have to be careful. Okay, we lead, not Lord. And there's another thing. We've got to remember who the church is and who she belongs to. The church is not bricks, mortar, and stone. These are nice things. The trappings of the church are wonderful. I like it cool when it's hot outside and warm when it's cold just like you i like comfortable setting where i can hear good lighting and uh, good friends in fellowship but it isn't the pews and the bricks that god is caring so much about it's the people in the pews i heard it said once that jesus left the work of his ministry to the poor decrepit people of the pews and we are. We're poor, decrepit. We were blind beggars begging for food before him. And after him, we've, we've found sustenance in spiritual manna that he's provided for us. And I also have heard that the definition of a Christian is one poor, hungry beggar telling another poor, hungry beggar where to find bread. Yeah. It's in Jesus who should be our all in all. Do you love the Lord this morning? Let me hear it. Yes? Amen? Anything? Take a pulse here. See if we have one. Let me tell you something. Till I got done with those folks in New Albany, they were smiling. Nope, we didn't dance around in the pews or jump over them or get the holy shakes and all that sort of nonsense. But they were spirit-filled and happy, and when they came into that church, they were there to do business with the Lord. It wasn't none of this, I sucked on a sour lemon before I come here, or I eat dill pickles, you know. Look at people coming to church, will you? Sometimes you're going to worship, <laughs> and then stand in the doorway. I used to love it. It just pastor in New Orleans said the same thing and I had to replicate it. I, looked, I used to like to look out the door of the, of the church where I couldn't be spotted too good and watch the families come in. 
not uniting what I think out of my own brain is unity because that's a danger zone. So, let's look at Acts 1, 9 through 14. <clears throat> you thought Brother Ray's introductions were, took a while. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Talking about Jesus, he's on Mount Olivet and being taken up in a cloud. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men, angels, <clears throat> stood by them with white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? <clears throat> what you looking at in the vernacular? <clears throat> this same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. <clears throat> There's a promise, folks. Do you get it? <clears throat> there the angels are telling those two fellers. What are you looking up for? Because Jesus, as he's going up, is coming right back here. He's coming back to the Mount of Olivet, and that'll be a day of days, let me tell you. That'll be a wonderful day. All right, and so we, we uh, come along. Verse 12. <clears throat> then uh, returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet. See, I was right. They were on the Mount called Olivet, Mount of Olives which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. <clears throat> now let me, let me explain something here. <clears throat> it did not take them a full Sabbath day to walk a half mile. But the Jews outside of the city of Jerusalem were only allowed to walk from the east gate to what is today the uh, Church of the Ascension because that's as far as they could go. <clears throat> they were only allowed to walk 2,000 cubits outside of the city. That is a Sabbath day walk. So 2,000 cubits at 18 inches, I think amounted to, what is that, about 3,000 feet. A little over half mile. You have to check my math on that. But I just wanted you to understand, it didn't, they didn't walk a whole Sabbath day to get from Mount Olivet to Jerusalem. The eastern gate there is, is just a half mile. And it is all that they allowed them to walk on the Sabbath day. All right, 13. And when they were come up, come in, they went up to the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James, not Iscariot. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And in his and with his brothers. How many times do we have to be told to make things happen? You have to be like-minded in praying. Amen? Like-minded in praying. The Bible says so right here. I'm doing okay, I think. Uh, again, I say to you, what's needed today are backbone pastors and Christians that stand up and say, I don't care what you do to me. I'll not reject Jesus and the cross of Christ. You can call me a deplorable. It's better than being a reprobate. You can call me any kind of name you want to. And I know you're tired of being called names as I am. 
but I'll not back down from Christ. You probably heard this week that there's a famous character who's leaving the Southern Baptist Church. I wish she'd have done it 15 years ago because she was liberal way back then. Goodbye. Go where they think the way you do. And don't contaminate the church with that nonsense. Oh, Brother Lou, no, I'm serious. The Bible says we eject them from out among us. Now, Acts 2, 2 to 3. If you're a Christian, you have already received, I say it again, all of the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to get. That means because you're inhabited by the Spirit and you receive that Spirit, along with Him comes at least one gift. What are you doing with it? What is your gift? Do you know? Do you know what your gift is? I've done these things. They had them put out a long time ago where you can sit down and fill out. Every single buddy was an evangelist. Well, if that was true, we wouldn't be in the shape we're in today. Not everybody is an evangelist. Not everyone can be. Deacons. When I was preaching full time, I wanted to marry up my deacons with the ministries they were comfortable with. Not every deacon is comfortable going to the hospital where a patient is going to die right in front of them. But some others can handle that. So I didn't want to put deacons in positions where they were going to be extremely uncomfortable. I cannot count anymore the numbers of eyes that I closed in death. The last one was my mother-in-law. As I came upstairs, Sally said, I think she's going. And I put my finger to her wrist, and I felt bump, bump, and no more. But at that instant, I knew, as sad as it was that she wasn't with us anymore, she was on her way to the presence of Almighty God. Because she was a saved lady, for sure. And the question remains, then, are you? Are the things of the scriptures available to you? Are you willing to be united in prayer? Because we have to be. And we've got to be ready to stand for Jesus. Are you with me? Amen? We gotta be, we've got to be willing and ready to stand up for Jesus. Now, I go so far, you know, they're trying to strip a lot of stuff away from us today. And one of them's our guns. And all I can say about that, you come for my guns, better bring yours. That's it, you know. I'm willing to die for the cause of Christ. I'm willing to die for the freedoms that were guaranteed by the Constitution. And I'll defend them to the death. There I said it. Sally knows it's true. I'll not be besmirched. Corporate prayer is really important. Then what it says to me, and this is what I told the church over there in that place I told you about, and I can't already remember the name. Come on, where the Walmart is over there in Little Walmart County. Fulton, thank you. This this is what I told them there. That memory, you know, senior moment there. If prayer is important, is prayer important? Yes. Yes, amen. Is corporate prayer important? Yes, it is. Is individual prayer important? Absolutely. 
They're rhetorical questions, I know, but uh, they're important to hear the answers. If we know that to be true, then why are churches not calling a special night of prayer for all that's going on in this world and in this country and our government? Why do we not have a special night set aside and do we come here all that will and gather in the church and pray for nothing but what's happening in our society and what's happening to us in this world? If prayer is important, corporate prayer is also important. And we aren't doing it. I'm not besmirching Brother Ray or anybody else. I'm just saying it's what God has laid on my heart. Why are we not coming together? Why are churches not having these conclaves or convocations or whatever you want to call them of prayer? A special night set aside to do nothing but pray for our nation. And ask God to move to confess our own sin. Let me tell you, Calvary Baptist at that point when I preached this sermon was really stricken with COVID. It's why I got to preach there. The pastor tested positive, Brother Kennedy. When I got finished, one of the deacons came up. His chin was quivering. He was in tears. And he said, I've heard what Brother Lou said. And this Wednesday night at 7, if you can make it, we're going to do just exactly that. And Brother Lou, you're invited to come. How could I not go? I went. I took a big risk preaching there, touching a pulpit that, you know, and not, no risk at all. God's protection was there with me. Thirty-four people showed up that night. And they, they were hit hard in the congregation. Wednesday night, 34 people, almost all of them, were at the altar. God's presence was there. You could feel it. And I'm sure that the prayers moved him. We confess the sins of this nation because we're part of it. We'll be judged for the sins of this nation, each one, every one of us, because we live here. We should do something about it. Well, what do we do? That's what I keep asking. And what we can do is use the most powerful weapon we have against it is prayer. We can move God to do things that we can never do ourselves. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. We have to do this. And we can still practice sensible things. Satan shut us up and locked us out for a little while. We, we never stopped. Just kept right on a going. It's time we took back America for Jesus Christ. It's time we took back America for Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? It's time we take it back. I'm done with this Chinese muzzle. I'm finished with it. I'm going to wear it. Unless it's demanded as I walk to the door, I'm not going to get in a confrontation that way about it. But I know this, it's time is coming past. Is it real? Sure it is. Can people still get it? I'm sure they can, not nearly as much as it has been. We see the numbers declining. And I even read from a secular blurb on the Internet, if you can believe any of that stuff, is the the person talking said the pandemic is over. And I'm almost out, but listen. When I was a kid, and I was once, I was a rounder until from... From zero to eight, there wasn't anything I virtually didn't do. Uh, by that time, I had consumed Clorox twice and drunk gas three times. My dad was ready to absolutely lock me up. 
wonder I got a belly left at all, but it's there. You can see it. Just well take care. There was an epidemic, not a pandemic, of something that's called P-O-L-I-O, polio. Where I went to school, there was a young girl that had contracted polio. And uh, she had a brace on her leg. She's dead now. Kids, some made fun of her. Bless her heart. Now, at, at a young age, my heart went out to her. And sometimes I defend her against those cruel statements that kids can make about one another. I ask you this question. Did God see us through the epidemic of polio? Sure did. We got a vaccine for it. Is God seeing us through the pandemic of COVID-19? Yeah. Nine months it took for him, him under the leadership he used down here, to come up with a vaccine. Of course, some today would like to say that they did it and there wasn't any. That's why he had his first shot in December. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Folks, it's time. It's time we rallied around the pole. Uh, That's Jesus Christ. It's time that we get here. And it's time that we pray and kneel and cry and do whatever we have to do because we're in dire straits. But I know this, I'm not worried. You don't have to be either. If it gets bad enough, God's going to send Jesus. We're going up. The word rapture is never used in the book, but it's spoken of. And it's a promise. So hear me well. Pray your hearts out. Because it's the only weapon right now at our disposal. I've listened to a couple of our representatives in the House and 